Blog Talk Radio. Go With Angels is more than the title of Mary Brotherton's debut book. It's her wish for you and your loved ones. Join her on her podcast every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time as she talks about angels and messengers from the spirit world. Of course, she'll talk about her book and the inspiration behind it, too. Call 516-418-5651 after 11 on Friday mornings to share your stories about angelic encounters. Good morning, good morning, good morning. This is the last Go With Angels podcast of 2022. It will be a brand new year in a few days, and we'll have new guests to talk with. Everybody's hurrying up, finishing up with their Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa celebrations, and they're preparing for New Year's Eve parties and other celebrations. So... I've decided not to have any guests. It's just going to be me. And I'm going to continue what I started before Christmas, sharing some stories I found online at Reader's Digest. But first, I want to just tell you a little quick story about why I created my book, Go With Angels. It's because for years and years, I've heard or experienced the sensation of someone speaking to me from outside. Um, For the most time, it was just normal inspiration. I I get a thought like, hey, I should call Marge. And then I dismiss that with, uh, why would I call Marge? I've got nothing to say. She's she's busy. She doesn't need to talk to me right now. And this happened for weeks, uh, two weeks actually. Every single day I have thought an inspired thought, call Marge. And every single day I would dismiss that thought with logic and um, practicality. Now this was more than 30 years ago, probably about 40 years ago, I think. I had a friend in Wisconsin. I was living in South Carolina. Marge lived in South Carolina. This was before cell phones and it cost extra to make a long distance phone call. Well, my friend from Wisconsin called, and as soon as I said hello, she said, you need to call Marge. And I just broke out laughing and said that was funny because I'd been thinking about Marge for two weeks. She said, I know. God told me that you're not listening to him. And I said, what do you mean? She said, you're not listening to God. He's been telling you for two weeks to call Marge. And when you wouldn't listen to him he decided that you probably needed a mouthpiece, and that's where I come in. Well, this woman knew what it was like to talk to God. I had never thought of it as being God. But this is one of those stories. I, I ended up calling Marge, and it was, it was the beginning of a great relationship that just needed a little boost. And it taught me how to listen to the voice of God. So that's what Go With Angels is all about. I have stories like that in my book. Uh, I have stories about near-death experiences. I have stories about angels intervening to stop accidents. It's 
88 pages of short stories of real-life encounters with angels or other entities, uh, as well as some communications with people who have crossed over. It's only $15. I pay postage. If you want to buy a copy, go to paypal.me forward slash go with angels or check us out on Facebook at go with angels book. Anyway, I want to get into uh, my little stories and I'm going to have Tony read a little message here first. Have you ever read a web article on the internet that really spoke to you? No, I mean really spoke to you. Well, let me tell you about Newsly. Newsly is the new and incredible audio app made especially for iOS and Android. Newsly picks up web articles about the most trending topics throughout the entire internet. And at any given moment, Newsly reads those web articles to you in a natural human voice. Browse your favorite articles from topics you choose. Stop scrolling, start playing, start listening, and start learning. And Newsly has podcasts as well. Explore trending podcasts from over 40 countries. Our podcasts, Unscripted, Coffee Candy and Creatives, and On Demand are there too. Go to www.newsly.me to download and use Newsly for free now. And if you use promo code BEUNIQUERADIO, all one word and with tabs, receive a one-month free premium description. For the first time in the history of the Internet, the web becomes listenable. Listen and learn with Newsly. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Tony. Tony Taylor is our um, host for Be Unique Unscripted on Thursday nights. And he does a splendid job finding and interviewing amazing people from all over the world. Um, now, I'm going to read my little story and tell you again if you would like to call in and talk to me today about angels. Call 516 516- Four one eight five six five one on December thirtieth, twenty twenty two. This story is called "Santa Found Us on the Road," and I found this story on ReadersDigest.com, RD.com. At Christmas time in nineteen sixty one, our family was on the way from Seattle to a new assignment on the East Coast, and we checked into a motel in Watertown, South Dakota was not the best time to travel with young children who were concerned about Santa finding us on the road. We headed into town to find a store, and as our car approached an intersection, there was a Santa right in the crosswalk. He held up his hand for us to stop, and we rolled down our windows. Santa poked his head through a window and said to our kids, Oh, there you are. I was wondering where I'd find you tonight. Naturally, the kids were thrilled to pieces. They made sure we told Santa which motel we were staying at so he could find them. My wife and I had tucked away gifts for the trip, as we knew we wouldn't have time to shop along the way. The car top carrier and out-of-state license plate might have been a giveaway, but whatever it was, that Santa really made Christmas 1961 a memorable one for our kids. That was written by Dave Grinstead from Bellingham, Washington. 
Now, I have a story here about an unlikely angel, but before I read it, I want to share with you the phone number if you'd like to call in and talk with me about your angelic experiences. 516-418-5651. I'll be here for another 20 minutes. It was 1999, a few days after Christmas, a black dog with a little white around his mouth wandered onto the front porch and settled in as if he'd lived here all his life. Whenever anyone left the house to do chores or walk next door to my brother-in-law's house, the black dog followed. He'd patiently wait until we were done, follow us home, and lie down on the porch. Inside, the house was full of sadness and quiet conversation. My 91-year-old father-in-law, Jim Cravens, was gravely ill. The family had gathered to see his care, to cook and to welcome visitors. Jim and his wife, Dorothy, were beloved pillars of the community. The curious visitor gave us something new to talk about, a wonderful distraction. Whose dog was he? Did someone drop him off along the road? Did he intend to stay? Either way, it would be dark soon, and he would be cold. Jim sat in the rocking chair by the front window where he could watch the happy black dog's comings and goings. We called the radio station, animal shelter, newspaper, sheriff, and several neighboring farms about the lost dog. Meanwhile, we made him comfortable on the porch with food, water, and a blanket. The days leading up to New Year brought no news, and we were all just content that our companion had stayed around. My father-in-law said he wanted to live long enough to see the new millennium, and he did. He passed away January 2nd. That was the day that Black Dog left. Then the weather turned cold and snow fell every day for the rest of the winter, it seemed. Sometime later, we heard that the black dog was a rescued dog living with a family about a mile and a half from the farm. They named him Bogart. The following summer, Bogart returned to see us again. When his owners came to pick him up, we told them about his angelic Christmas visit, how he had comforted our family with his cheerful companionship. We wanted them to know how much that meant. The story was written by Suzanne Cravens from Pineland, Minnesota. The next story I'm going to share with you is called Fate Threw a Tree at Us. And I'm going to give you the phone number again. I'll still be here. That story only took a moment to read, so I'm down to like 18 minutes. But um, the phone number is 516 516- 418-5651. If you have a story to share about angels in your life, I'd love to share it with the world. We have listeners in 97 countries, or maybe it's 98 now. I've totally lost track. But here's the story about fate threw a tree at us. During the hustle and bustle of Christmas time, 1958, we told our children ages three and four about the beautiful Christmas tree we would have in a few days. On Christmas Eve, the bakery, at the bakery we had recently purchased, we counted the receipts, cleaned the shop, and headed for home with our two sleepy children. That's when we remembered we had not gotten a tree. We looked for a vendor who might have a tree left to no avail. About a mile from home, we stopped for a red light. 
Suddenly, a gust of wind blew and something hit the front of our truck. My husband went out to investigate. The next thing I knew, he was throwing a good-sized evergreen onto the back of the truck. He went into the mom-and-pop store at the corner where we were and asked the proprietor how much he wanted for the tree. He said he wasn't selling Christmas trees that year. It was a Christmas miracle. We never did find out how the tree got in the middle of the road, but somehow we feel we know. Incidentally, it was the most beautiful tree we have ever had. This story was written by Gertrude Albert, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Now, I think I may have told you, but you may not have listened to this particular show. I read a story similar to this every year to my family after we celebrate Christmas. And this year, uh, my family celebrates Christmas on January 8th, which is, um, I believe, the the, 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 uh, I can't speak this morning, Epiphany. Anyway, my mother-in-law is how we're celebrating Christmas. My son-in-law, my stepson came to visit. My sons have not set up a time yet when they're going to come visit, but my mother-in-law is visiting, and then afterwards we're going to a funeral. However, we will be reading stories very similar to these. After we open gifts, we share these little stories. It's a tradition we've had for more than 20 years. If you want to share a story with me, we've got more than 15 minutes. My number is 516-418-5651. That's 516-418-5651. This next story is called A Bundle of Nativity Nerves. Three years ago, our neighbors decided to host a live nativity. They spread fresh straw in their barn, mounted a star in the rafters, and built a makeshift cradle in the manger. We got a call. Could we loan them a lamb? We said we'd love to help. But in December, lambs are pretty much full-grown sheep. They're not handled either, so they're somewhat wild full-grown sheep. We were afraid that when the children started doing what children do, the sheep might change their peaceful nativity into a rollicking rodeo. No problems. Our neighbors said, it'll all be fine. We did have one ewe that had been at the fair, so she'd had a halter on her at least once in her life. Our grandson, Jordan, knew how to lead a sheep and agreed to be her shepherd. We prayed for the best. On the day of the event, my husband, Jerry, went to the corral to catch the ewe, who was not happy at all. Finally, the halter was secure. The sheep loaded in the pickup and headed for the neighbor's barn and Jerry and I had our fingers firmly crossed. As he handed the rope to Jordan, Jerry reminded him to keep her head up and keep a short rope. As an afterthought, he suggested that if the sheep began to... Jordan might put his hand gently over her mouth. Meanwhile, in the nativity, the wise men and women gazed with wonder and awe at the shining star in heaven as the young Mary and Joseph entered the stable with the pretend babe and laid him in the manger. Jerry and I wondered if a pretend sheep might have been a good idea too, but it was a little late for that. As the violins began playing Silent Night, Jordan led the sheep into the stable. Miraculously, as if sensing the solemnity of the occasion, 
She quietly walked up to the manger and looked in. We held our breath, but she never made a sound. She didn't move a muscle during the entire narration for both performances. At the end, all the children hurried up to pet and hug her. Some had never even seen a sheep. Our you just stood there calm and respectful as the children adored her. When Jerry unloaded her into the corral, she returned to her old self. The moment the gate was down, she leaped from the truck, bounded down the chute, and rocketed over her to her sheep friends, baaing all the way. Maybe she was eager to tell them about the miracle of the Christmas story, but she'd given us a little miracle of her own that day. This was written by Barbara Buchanan from Tremonton, Utah. And if you'd like to share a story like that or unlike that, they can be anything. Um, if you want to discuss if angels exist or if angels don't exist, you are more than welcome to do that. I'd be happy to have a friendly, intelligent, intellectual debate with you. I do want to share a story, uh, not a story, but a um Oh, what my God, uh, a message that I got because it's very important to me. Uh, this was someone who bought a copy of my book and she texted me yesterday to say, I just wanted to let you know that I finally finished your book. I had many interruptions and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Your stories were wonderful, and I do believe in angels. My experience with them is subtle and spiritual, and I wish I could connect as well as you have. Let me know if you need a book review posted. Your stories are extraordinary. Thank you for sharing and writing. And I get testimonies like that constantly about my go with angels. And I'd love to share a copy with you if you're interested. Um, I do from time to time share stories here on Go With Angels podcast that come from my book. But today I'm sharing stories written by others. They're Christmas miracles. I have 11 minutes if you're interested in calling. My number is 516-418-5651. Now the next story is called Our Carols hit the right ears. It's a very short story. I might read two before I check for callers. I was with a small group of young guys and gals caroling on Christmas Eve in 1942, San Diego, California. We wandered downtown to Broadway, the main street, and stopped at a block of green grass with a fountain on the plaza. The streets were streaming with aimless servicemen, all missing the joy and solace of being home for Christmas. Now, if you don't know or don't remember, 1942 was World War II era. We began singing familiar Christmas songs, and in a short time, the volume increased markedly. I climbed up onto the rim of the fountain to an astonishing sight, a sea of servicemen on the plaza singing with all their hearts, when a song ended, I started another, just beginning the words, and I was, it was immediately picked up. We sang every traditional song I could think of, 
and didn't leave the servicemen until near midnight, carrying a beautiful memory with us. This was written by Winnie Phillips Stark from Modesto, California. My next story is called It Takes a Village. Johnny and I, along with our two sons, Barry and Doyle, lived in a small rural community in southern Alabama in 1959. We had bought Barry a bicycle and Doyle a tricycle for Christmas and had hidden them in the carport where Johnny would assemble them on Christmas Eve after the kids were asleep. Now, I don't know about you folks, but my carport, you wouldn't be able to hide anything and it's wide open. But maybe their kids were small enough they didn't go nosing out there. The story continues. But on Christmas Eve day, Johnny had to go to Brooklyn Air Force Base in Mobile, an hour away to repair a Thunderbird F-100 Super Saber jet. I had my hands full with baking, preparing for Christmas dinner, and caring for two energetic boys. Just as I was making my favorite frosting for the chocolate cake, a neighbor knocked on the door. Beatrice was the only person on our road with a telephone. The base had called to say that a heavy torque wrench had come apart in Johnny's hand, knocking his elbow out of joint and chipping the bone. My sister-in-law, Ruth, and her husband, Otto, took me to the hospital while my mother-in-law stayed with the children. We got there to find Johnny with a cast on his arm, raring to get home despite the doctor's orders that he stay. It's Christmas Eve, Johnny argued, and he had bikes to assemble for his boys. The doctor said he'd consider dismissing him the next morning if Johnny could find someone to drive him home. On Christmas morning, Johnny contacted the base and was told everyone was off duty. There was no one to drive him home. Then he tried the motor pool. They said orders would have to come from higher up, so Johnny kept making calls. At last, a big blue car with the Air Force insignia rolled up to the hospital asking for the man who needed a lift home so he could put together bikes for his children. Johnny's mother and I were putting dinner on the table when we heard the car. We were thrilled to see Johnny, his arm in a sling, getting out, assisted by a uniformed Air Force officer. With Otto's help, Johnny assembled the boys' gifts, and they all had a jolly time playing together that afternoon. Johnny would later require two surgeries on his arm, but those were in the future. That cold Christmas day, our hearts were full of gratitude for the many people who had gone the extra mile to bring us together on the holiday. From Robertsdale, Alabama, Jeanette Des Ryan wrote this story. My next story is called A Brother's Work of Love, also from Alabama. But I want to give you the number to call because we do have a little more than six minutes and we can talk a lot about angels in six minutes. 516-418-5651. A brother's love. Because of my father's poor health during World War II, our family moved from a tenant farm in Virginia Hills to the city of Harrisonburg so my mother could work in a silk mill making parachutes for the boys overseas. On Christmas Eve, I felt lonely and misplaced as I listened to the strange city noises so different from the familiar sounds of the countryside. Much to my dismay, the family had been so busy moving that we had no tree to decorate. As a five-year-old, I yearned for a real tree. 
My older brothers had always enjoyed selecting a cedar or pine from the nearby woods when we lived on the farm. My brother Gary sensed that something was bothering me and asked, What's the matter, Janie? Why are you so sad? We don't have a tree and it's Christmas Eve, I replied. Where will Santa leave our presents? To soothe my nostalgic tears, my older brother found a large paper sack upon which he drew a beautiful green tree with big red and blue bulbs and a bright green tinsel. This will have to do this year, Gary explained. I'm sure Santa will understand. The next morning, I received a tiny toy phone from Santa and homemade popcorn balls from Mother and Daddy. But my special gift was my brother's work of love, the paper tree hanging on the wall. That's by Jane Allen from Arab, Alabama. And I want to just take a moment to say that many times we think only of ourselves and we forget to look around and see what other people are dealing with. Of course, now this was uh, during World War II, so it would have been in the early 1940s. People definitely had a different way of looking at life. And she was so happy with one telephone and popcorn balls. So we have about four minutes left, and that's plenty of time for me to read stories or for you to call 516-418-5651. This story is called The Christmas Tree Angel. My father, Joe Sarna, worked hard as a union plumber during the day and then would spend evenings and weekends on his beloved Christmas tree farm in the small town of Jefferson, Ohio. Every year when December 1 arrived, Dad would get as excited as a kid waiting for Santa Claus. He would walk through the, de- the fields of Douglas fir, Scotch pine, blue spruce, and noble pine, searching for the tallest, prettiest trees. He delivered those trees to the churches in town, every church, not just his family's church. He would do this at nighttime, leaving each tree at the front door. He never left a note to say they were from Sarna's tree farm. He would tell my brothers, sisters, and me that if you did a good deed and advertised it in any way, it didn't really count as a good deed. He made us promise not to tell anyone where the trees had come from. Dad delighted in knowing the pastors and church members were spending a lot of time guessing about the origin of the trees. If a pastor asked Dad if he had been the one who had left such a beautiful tree for the church, My father would play dumb, ask, what tree, or change the subject. When my father passed away in 1989, many of the pastors came to to his funeral to pay respects. When I talked with them, I discovered every one of them knew my father had been their Christmas tree angel. This was written by Dot Sauer from Santee, California. I have two minutes and 40 seconds left, so I'm going to read this last story called The Miracle of Angel Station. When Angelica, New York's post office, was threatened with closure in the 1980s, resident Pat Cack came up with a plan to serve it. Angelica already had lost its neighborhood school in favor of a modern building a few miles outside of town, and the nearest hospitals were 15 miles away in either direction. In Pat's mind, it was paramount to keeping a functioning post office. So she turned to the angels for help. At Christmas time, 
I would hear on the news about towns named Snow or Bethlehem having celebrations, says Pat, who had moved to the tiny village from the big city. I thought it was a wonderful idea. So I said, why couldn't we do the same thing with Angelica? Pat, who is an artist, created a postal cancellation design featuring an Angelica angel. Staying true to the nature of her adopted home, she drew her angels in a folksy fashion and submitted her proposal to the U.S. Postal Service. Once approved, the drawing was carved into a postmark cancellation stamp that would use, could be used for one day only. The postmistress had another idea to make the day even more special, calling the post office Angel Station. The massive uptick in mail volume saved Angelica's post office from closure and keeps the doors open today. Now it's tradition that on the first Friday of December, folks come to Angelica to mail their Christmas cards. A carved wooden angel flies near the ceiling. In the corner, a Christmas tree twinkles. Village supporters sit at tables that are topped with bowls of punch and platters of decorated cookies, offering hot chocolate or coffee to those who are mailing cards. Post offices may close in other parts of the country, but this tiny one endures thanks to the pat and the miracle of Angel Station. Written by A.J. Soares, Wellsville, New York. And that concludes our show, and I want to say thank you to everybody for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Go With Angels with Mary Brotherton. If you want to order a copy of Go With Angels, just reach out to mary at beunique.org for details. That's B-U-N-E-K-E dot org. And be sure to tune in every Friday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time for more stories about angelic encounters. Follow Be Unique Radio on Blog Talk Radio so you don't miss a single episode.